Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. And I am sitting here today at Nightbird during the day. So I guess it's Daybird right now uh, with Kim Alter. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming here. I didn't even realize that was the name of the podcast. I love it. (laughs) I'm comfortable with my insanity. Yeah, (laughs) right here with you. (laughs) So, Kim, you know, you have been in the Bay Area for how many years? Uh, Like almost 25 25? Yeah. Wow. So let's... Don't calculate my age. I'm not going to (laughs) calculate age. That's all on you. So you, your first job in the city was working, if I'm correct, with Suzette. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? She's amazing. Um, Like my culinary mom. And he, John Carlo, is like my culinary dad. And so much of me is from them, for sure. I'm lucky. I mean, you've had so many people inspire you along the way and really push you to be who you are today. And I think you've set a tone and a standard. I've seen you. Um, I remember the first time you came into Encanto for Head to Tail with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole Man Racer crew, we all came. The it was whole- like a whole, like we planned for it. We all came, we met, and it was just based around that meal. Which is... And I, which I totally remember everything. It was, and that was a, that was years ago. I mean, had to have been... Like 2006. Seven, maybe, yeah. And I, I think, think it's you've you've been in in my mind. You are what I like to say is the unsung hero of San Francisco. You have been doing things your way, which is rad. You've stuck to your guns, and you make beautiful food. And I think we need. I wanted to sit down and talk with you because you really inspire so many people, young chefs, young women to really push the limits and and I think there needs to be more of that. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of get out there and, and talk about that because you just got Star Chefs. Congratulations. I felt like I was a little old for that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but is there ever really too old? Yeah, I mean, no, I agreed, but it did. I remember like 10 years ago being like Star Chefs and then, you know, a couple of my protégés, if you want to call them that, had gotten it like seven years ago and I text them like, hey, I just got Rising Star Chefs. <laughs> <laughs> remember when I spoke at yours? <laughs> but isn't that what it's supposed to yeah. be? Like everything comes in a full circle, right? Everything comes around and creates what it is and I think, so let's kind of, I just kind of want to allow you to, to do your lineage here. So like you started with Suzette, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you were there and at Aquarello, which is, I would say Suzette has been in this industry here for many, many years. She's set the precedent for Italian food, Michelin star Italian. They're, they're, they're 30 year anniversaries this July. So in a, in a few weeks. That's unreal. Yeah. I mean, that's a really amazing, amazing. And, you know, I've heard incredible stories of her like, making sure like literally sleeping on linen bags because she oh, wanted every to make, night because people were she thought somebody was stealing or the cleaners weren't working right or things were and she was there to be there to make sure it was right i think that i uh spoke to her two days ago and uh then she texted me i think at three in the morning and she was still there working that's just who she is she will be there at six in the morning and then she would get up go get her daughters from school drive them to school on the weekends, do the whole brownie thing with them, have tea parties at Ocarello that we would work. And like, that's just who she was constantly. Like, I think she maybe slept two hours a day. Still does. She's crazy. <laughs> and the, it's funny when I first walked in, I think I had, I'd always been in the restaurant business pretty much. And when I, um, 
first walked in, you know, they tell you to have all this confidence. So I walked in with like all this like bravado, like, yeah, hire me kind of a thing. And she tells me to this day that she only hired me to kind of prove me wrong and knock that out of me because that's how I needed to be going into this business. And it changed how I acted from that moment on. And I feel I'm pretty humble and it's helped me be a better cook, chef and person to this day. So she definitely was, I was able to, even when I got hired at Manresa, I'm pretty sure Kinch hired me because of Acarello. And that was 12 years before I even, I think was at Manresa. So after, after you left working with Suzette and you, where did you go next? Um, I went, I was in school when I worked with Suzette. So I worked, I was in school in the morning, walked up to Acarello, worked at night. And so I technically did my externship at Moss's. So way back. And uh, then I ended up getting hired as a, as a cook, a Comey. And, uh, you know, that was rough. And then, uh, I think I, after Moss's, I went to Gary, I had multiple jobs at a time. I would like work at Gary Danko. I staged at Lawfully for nine months when I waited tables at Ocarello. Cause I went back and I wanted to understand the business part of it. I wanted to understand the customer part. So I worked in the front of the house at Ocarello. I moved to Chicago for a minute and kind of just staged around at Trotters and Alinea ended up taking a job at Nomi. Um, but honestly, one winter I was like, fuck this and came right back <laughs> to San Francisco. <laughs> You know, standing with at the L with Converse on sucks at 10 below. I didn't understand what that felt like. And I was like, I don't ever want to feel that again. So came right back. Chicago is a very a special place. And um, it's really funny. I, Paul Kahn, I think, said it the best. That was my first stage. Was keep, at Blackbird. Blackbird. Amazing restaurant. Yeah. Paul Kahn, icon in my I mean, Totally I, agree. I, I love him to death. He's, and I, I think he said it best to me one day. He's like, the weather in the Midwest keeps, keeps, you know, people true. And it's either, it's either really, really hot or it's really, really cold. Yeah. And it, you have to be a certain type of person to be able to handle those. That, that yeah. Weather. I w obviously wasn't that person. It's tough. I mean, yeah. negative in the negatives is yeah. scary, but I fell in love with Chicago hot dogs drinking till six in the morning. And, uh, Did you go to wiener circle. Oh yeah. Oh God. It's, it's so funny. Cherry it? boobs. That, that was the lady who used to yell at me and my friend the whole time. <laughs> That's what we called her. Cause she had a tattoo of cherries on her, on her chest and she would just dig in on them. And it was, it was funny. I, it was amazing. I always wanted to support them. <laughs> They're rad. They're so right. And they make so much money oh, they destroying should. people. People go there to get just heckled. Abused. It's amazing. Have you ever seen it when Kenny from uh, 30 Rock goes there and no. they try to teach him to diss people? No. They try to teach him to swear at people and yell at people getting their hot dog and he can barely do it. It's so oh amazing. Because it's so awkward and weird, but they're just like, they're in it. It's it's amazing. I can, I'm surprised that no one has tried to emulate that anywhere else. I, I don't think it would work anywhere else. Uh, you I'm couldn't just, do it. Yeah, There's no way you could pull that off. You'd be sued. I know. I know. You should be. Those ladies are rad. They're, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. So, I mean, you you traveled and then you ended up at Manresa. Yeah. that You know, that was super random and I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but when I came back from Chicago, I started waiting tables again at Ocarello and I didn't really have a direction of where I wanted to go. Um, obviously cooking. And the person I was living with was like, hey, you should try it at Manresa. There's a Craigslist ad and I didn't even know what it was. I think they were like three or four years old at that point, maybe. And I applied, rented a car, drove down there, um, got lost, took me almost two hours, uh, showed up in a rainy day in Los Gatos and staged one day. And I'm pretty sure, like, I remember Kinch being like, you worked at Ocarello? And I thought about it and I actually waited on him at Ocarello once because I did both. And uh, he's like, so that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And he's like, all right, you can start next week. And that I think changed my life. Just, I bought a car within like a week 
um, and started commuting. I waited tables on my days off from working because, you know, it's not like you make a lot of money. <laughs> Freaking. No. Nope. Well, well at, least, at least back then. Well, it, we didn't make, you didn't make money anywhere back then. No, none of us did. Yeah. I mean, just how but also, we didn't get in this business as young cooks. Yeah. I mean, I slept in a bathtub to stage in New York. Yeah, no, totally. I think I ate rice and soy sauce uh, from like the packets for like five years at my house. Like you, you ate at work, you, you know, you maybe save for booze, but I never had new clothes. I never had anything like to buy a car was really hard. Like, yeah, it was insane. And it, I, you spent all your money on knives and cookbooks. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, yeah. Being better. Yeah. And that that's why I knew how important Man Racer was. That's why I would you know, purposely make sure my days were off when Acarola was open and they would hold those two shifts for me. And I would, I think I had 12 days off that entire time I worked there. And, uh, I just, you know, drove there. I'd meet Kinch at the farm and it just really changed the way that I looked at food and vegetables and working with Jeremy Fox. Like I worked with the crew that we all could have been sous chef chefs, but we chose to just work there and learn. And it was rad. There was four of us and a floater sometimes to do what we did up to a hundred people a night. And we, you know, whole animals every day and vegetables from the garden, cleaning from scratch. And it just was amazing. It just changed my life. So, so everybody knows put, put into category who those people were. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously David Kinch, um, yeah. Jeremy Fox, um, amazing. Deanie Hickox was the pastry chef at the time. Um, James Seabout, um, Marty Cantaneo, who's now at Google. Um, JD, um, excuse me, JP, uh, who is about to open a restaurant with Belinda. Belinda was also the pastry chef there at some point. Um, Birdo, he was at Ungrafted now as the chef. Uh, Zach Freitas and Johnny Madriaga. I mean, those were the, that was our crew, and it was amazing to be able to work with them and you know learn from the person next to you. Like that's always important. Whenever I talk to my cooks, and whenever I think about when I was a cook, you're learning from the chef, obviously. You're learning from your suggestions, but you're learning from the people next to you. You're learning from the dishwasher. You're learning from the cook. You're learning from the commie. And if you can't, then you need to start growing and evolving. But you just need to make sure that people you surround yourself with are the people who are going to teach you too. And I still look at that when I hire cooks. I'm like, I want to learn from you. Teach me something. You know, I'm obviously going to teach you something, but you got to teach me something too. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a bigger picture. Yeah. And I I mean I I. <clears throat> that cast and crew that you worked with down there. I mean, everybody's doing incredible things. Yeah. And they're rad people. And we all, you're all still friends. I mean, you guys yeah. all were just down there helping at birdies, at which, birdie was amazing. G's, Even, which it was amazing. I am so excited for him. Me too. I, and you know what? I've, I really don't think I've seen Jeremy happier and seen his wife and his daughter like there and being able to cook for them and see it come to life was so amazing. And if I ever, open another restaurant, which I don't know if I want to, um, I'm going to do it the way they did it. Bring in friends, christen it, like really just get everyone excited and like just create that environment that why restaurants are there, you know? It's a conviviality piece. Yeah. It's for family. It's for friends. It's for all the bringing like happiness to people. That's what restaurants are. So do you have the golden spoon? <laughs> I still like 10. No. <laughs> 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 Well, we do know, I mean, come on, you did have Gavin Case in there, and he's notorious as the spoon thief. He was the initiator of it, so it's his fault. I, I just, you know, wanted to make sure that I got enough to supply at my restaurant. <laughs> Jeremy texts me after he had no idea, and he's like, you're a savage. And I'm like, I got to be the best, Jeremy. Come on. <laughs> I got to make, make a splash. I love it. Yeah. I, we, uh, 
We had a great meal down just recently down at Rustic Canyon right before Birdie G's was opening. Oh. Rustic Canyon is so good. I always compare it's like Ubuntu but with meat. Yeah. You know? Like it's funny because at Manresa, Jeremy was always like the meat guy. And then I know. he went and opened up Ubuntu and it was like putting that's another place that I was lucky enough to work at. Um, pretty <clears> much with the same crew who was at Manresa. Yep. And uh, just be able to really apply everything you think about meat and animals to vegetables, which are just as important um, need that are, you know, there's so much to utilize on every piece of the vegetable and it takes so long to grow like a radish. So to just throw away the tops is just dumb. So it's like, how can we get that interesting and how can we make it cool to like make someone want to order it? Would it just be something that would normally be thrown away? So just changing your thought process, that was a really, again, eye-opening experience, and I'm lucky to have worked with them and to be friends with them. Yeah, I mean, I remember, actually, when I ate there, you were, you were working. Probably, too. probably. I mean, yeah. that was that was an amazing time. Yeah, you in know? the Bay Area, for sure. It, it, it was a game changer. I mean, it was a very hard time for... Definitely. Super hard for Jeremy. Not only, I mean, you know, there were nights that not only, you know, which him and Dini have definitely openly talked about, like, their marriage, but also... Napa didn't really embrace them. Like no. it was like sometimes we do four covers a night and it'd be really weird. And we'd just be like, this shit's amazing. Where why aren't people like coming here and supporting this? And then, you know, definitely even after I was talking about Jeremy, we we're talking about how um when I was at Birdie's, how the New York Times piece, he was like, it's you know, it's gonna change things. And you know, it creeps, things creep. It doesn't just happen like all at once. And and that's how it was with Ubuntu, and then it was just an explosion. And then, you know things changed. And it is an explosion. Yeah. And an explosion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that's, you know, you, you've, you've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by these great people. Yeah. That are, you can still, you guys call upon each other all the time. And yeah. I love that. It's like a band of you. Yeah. And that's special. There's not a lot of that anymore. That's what bums me out. That's what I want my cooks and I want other cooks now to have. And I, Hope it's not a generational thing. I hope that people realize that like the what you learn physically in the restaurant is more than you can learn from Instagramming and the <laughs> you know what I mean? And the relationships that you're gonna bond with the person working next to you and what they're gonna bring to your life later on when you're gonna need to lean on them, whether it's because you're having a mental breakdown or you don't know how to make a Bernays sauce, whatever it might be, that they're gonna be there for you. I don't see, well, I luckily see that in my kitchen, but uh, really when I'm like looking around, I don't see that in a lot of places. They're not giving all themselves to the restaurant, which sounds like a lot, but you're at a restaurant because it's what you want to do. You're not making a ton of money. It's hard fucking work. There's so many things that you lose out on, but in the end you gain so much by the relationships that you give and the things that you're giving back and the education that you're getting from the places that you're at. And it, I just hope that there's like some kind of like break in this cycle that's happening right now and, and the young cooks realize that you need to work hard and there is a reward at the end if you do. I think that that's a really good point because we there needs to be a break, right? There needs to be something that resonates. We give taste memories. Yeah. That's cool, right? That's amazing. I mean, <clears throat> I, know you, I, I know you do this because I've eaten here. And you interact with your guests and you walk. And it, and I feel fortunate at Coxcomber, I can look out and see the guests. And, you know, I can fire tables and whatever yeah. because I'm paying attention. But also the key is, is like watching their reactions, right? It's so good. I make my cooks run food so they can understand what they're doing. They're not just a machine in the back of the house like 
cooking a piece of duck perfectly. They are making someone change their thought process on how that duck tasted or celebrating the anniversary or a proposal or whatever it might be. And they get to see that. And I think that's maybe hopefully a reason why cooks stick around here a little bit longer than other places because they are they feel a part of it. Well, that that moment when you see and and I say this a lot and I always ask everybody that I'm talking to. I mean, the only place that I've ever seen anybody really showcase or um, be able to describe perfectly that aha moment with a taste memory is Ratatouille. The Disney movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The moment when the cri- the, the, oh, yeah, yeah. the food critic tastes the Ratatouille and his mind goes backwards. And you see it, it's like a movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, like a an, movie reel. Oh, it's like a movie reel. It's mm-hmm. And it goes back to black and white and he's sitting there with his grandmother. Yeah. Those moments when you see the guest have that reaction, it's incredible. Yeah, no, totally. That's that, what it's all about. It's We're, we're in an industry of in, instant gratification for us as cooks and chefs. And, you know, ultimately as a chef, I, I like to say that I'm just a glorified dishwasher. You oh, know? same. And, and, and we're very fortunate that we have this. Like everybody needs to eat. We're always going to be able to make people smile. Yeah. And it hurts when things go wrong. I can remember moments, even dating back to Acarello, of when I did something wrong or disappointed or sent out something that came back. Those That sticks with me forever. Here, too, if you read a bad review, if uh, something comes back not cooked correctly to somebody, I it sticks with me. It's bad because I then I'm holding on to maybe things that affect my personal life or my mental state, but that's how much I think all of us really care because we don't want to disappoint we're here to please and make people happy and to not be able to do that even to one person for me it sticks with me for a long time which i need to learn to get let go but but you know that's what makes you drive yeah that's what makes you push to be better yeah and i think that's a that's an involvement of a cook to a chef is understanding that we have to push to make everybody happy. And it, sh- and it is personal for us. Everything we do is personal. Yeah. Like this restaurant is you. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, my mom made the drapes and the napkins and, you know, I painted. And I mean, I think almost same with you. You can hear your story through your food. Coxcomb's amazing. In Contu, I remember, like, I remember the dishes, the plates, the looks on uh, everyone's face that, you know, I worked with on a day-to-day at Manresa when we were eating there. And that's a memory that will always be with me. And you gave that to us. So, I mean, I hope that I have done the same for people here because that's kind of what we have in the end, right? Memories. And, yeah. and, and I'm lucky to have, you know, been on that journey with other people in restaurants. And most of my happiest times are in restaurants, whether it was working or eating, you know, that's where we spend our time. Yeah. I mean, the whole concept of family meal, this really has become your family. Oh my God. I I was just saying last night that we bought a house a few years ago, like I think, well, around the same time that we opened the restaurant and we spend way more time here at the restaurant <laughs> than we do at our house. And I look at my house and I'm like, oh, but I need to do this. Like there's always something that comes up where we're always kind of applying it here, but we do spend more time here. So we want it to be comfortable. We want it to be inviting. And that's what, you know, that's what we do every day. So. so you've been doing some really fun stuff. I mean, you're working, you have a beautiful setup up front with honey. You know, you have that beautiful comb set up, which is 
awesome, by the way, yeah. the way it's, it's laid out. It's the best honey I've ever had. We work in a, with uh, Terry Oxford. She's an amazing beekeeper. She's really a bee activist in the city. And uh, it's I've learned so much. And it's, you know, food and climate and San Francisco community, it's all tied in. It's all tied in. What we do, farmers, I mean, I go to the farmer's market every day. I see you. You know, we see each other. That's where we, that's actually like our, our fun time. I think when we all get to see our friends. Exactly. It's, it became almost, I think the farmer's market almost became social hour oh, for totally. a while. It got to be totally. too much where it would be like, okay, I'm going to the market. It's only going to take an hour. And then three, four hours later, you're like, oh shit, I got I know. so much work to do. I know. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm really in the weeds, I'm like, okay, I got to get there at seven or I got to get there later because I can't stop and talk to every single person. Or I got to skip that one farmer because they're going to talk to me for two hours. So you just, yeah, but it's, it's, it's the fun part. But it is all tied into each other. And we just, like with the bees, just need to be responsible. And I think as chefs, we've all become almost activists, not only in trying to teach the younger generation, but also like make our community better, make everything better. And it's it's hard because we there's just a lot of work that needs to be done. But I'm glad that our voices are getting louder and we're, you know, being able to be heard more. So you just recently went, you've been doing some fun travels. and. Yeah. You, I, you went to Dubai? Yeah, Dubai was crazy. It was amazing. It, you know, that, those are definitely the perks of this business is that you can travel anywhere and you can relate somehow to somebody and you get to learn and see something different and just walking through and seeing all the spices. And I was lucky enough to be able to do it with two other chefs, uh, Jamie B. Sinet, who is rad, and same with David Glacia. Rad. He's actually going to come here and do a dinner in a, in a few months. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm super stoked. But just to be able to like, and you bond and you carry that bond from the travel, from the experience, from the food, eating mutton brains and like on a paper plate at like <laughs> 11 o'clock in Dubai. Like it, Jamie's like, this is so good. And you're like, okay. And then you're like, wow, this is fucking amazing. And you're just, you, again, you carry that memory with you forever. And it's, it's awesome. But yeah, I've been doing a lot of traveling about to do more traveling and and it's stressful but i think that it's what makes us like kind of get refreshed and keep alive a little how bit. much of your travel do you bring into the restaurant food and flavors or do you try to 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 allow it not allow it to influence you so much or do you allow it to influence you i think i go always hoping to like let it influence me but in all honesty i think the like when i was just at birdies I was really influenced, obviously, by their food. Everyone's food was delicious and was amazing. But listening to them and getting inspired by the people and starting that relationship is what inspired me to almost be better or to do a different kind of dinner or to think about how they're doing a different technique. And that's where I think I bring in. Like when I went to Dubai, I didn't necessarily bring in a lot of curries or any of those kind of like our mutton brains um, because we got to kind of stick with our brand in a, in a sense. But we bring in like little spices. I brought some Dubai honey in, um, some beautiful like peppers and like tinker that in with like the California food that we do. But I think honestly, it's the experience and the relationships with the people that I'm traveling with that really change it. I mean, it might, you know, it's, it's interesting because everybody learns in a different way, mm -hmm. right? There's people who learn visually, there's people who learn by reading. And I think <clears throat> one of the interesting things of travel that I've always found is maybe it's a, pr a way that they serve or a, a visual that you see or like a vessel that's like, that's the coolest way to, to present tea. I've never For seen sure. that before. And those are always, you know, like when I went to Japan, it was, okay, I wanted to learn how to cut fish properly and how can I use that technique in the form that we are here? Same. I, I think that's the, that's the best, that's the, the, yeah. the, the, the because you don't want to, you want to be, be true you. to your own self. Yeah. And you don't, I always, you know, get scared when you're 
you know, we we were talking earlier about um, before we were being recorded about um, <laughs> <laughs> about some stuff. No, but about um, you know, what it was like when we were growing up, and like you know, you had cookbooks, but not these beautiful cookbooks with the pictures, and you didn't. No, have you had internet. to read them. Yeah, you, you actually had to read. <laughs> yes, there was no pictures. You had to maybe cook the recipe and see how you liked it, and then you got to alter it. And you know, it it, it was definitely a different way of learning that people learn now, and I think that. I don't know. It's it's just for me. I'm very much like you. I never wanted to like read a cookbook and then just steal a recipe because I wanted you know be somewhat original and unique. And uh, and I think it's getting a little bit harder uh, as as this industry progresses. But uh, when I do travel, I'm the same. I'm like, look at that beautiful like cup. That's amazing. How could I make something that would like fit my color palette or fit like a cool tea or a broth that we would serve in between a course and and try to apply things I learned that way so it still stays me. I just, wanna, I just want me to be me. <laughs> that's see, and that's I think, like I said earlier, that what's that's what has defined you. You have stayed true to you, and and that's what's been fun. I mean, I think you mentioned something earlier, and you 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 said it very casually. You've always tried to be very humble, and for years, to be really honest, you and I never spoke. We mm-hmm. would always pass each other because we both were just like, look, I'm a as loud as I am pretty fucking introverted like i like yeah. to hide in the corner like i'm comfortable with that the perce- well, and i also looked at you as like a famous chef yeah but you i'm know. not i, I know, mean i'm I know, still i'm still the fucking stinky guy even before tv even before anything like when i went to a contu with like you know jeremy and them, i'm like oh my god it's chris cousin yeah but that's not me i mean, <laughs> I mean and, you know it's a celebrity thing that you have in this it, when you see the chef come out from the dining room they're like oh that's but, the way I felt when I was younger. And it's, and I think it's it's been interesting because we've always crossed paths. We've always been around each other. Yeah. And I think you've always had an air of confidence, but yet at the same time been humble, like you said. And I think that, and it's like, I'd much rather hide out in the frigging kitchen all the time. And Same. And it's <laughs> like, they are, there's always the conversation with your son, chef, can you? And it's like, isn't it weird that everybody's first name is chef when you go to an event? Yes, it's, everyone's turning, looking around the whole time because you're so used to be calling chef. Like at birdies, everyone was like chef, and then like seven of us would turn around and be like, "Yes, oh, you're not talking to us, okay, no problem." And yeah, you're talking to day. Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, the real chef. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's it's somebody. You know, it, it's funny to me that that that's the norm, right? Mm-hmm. You know that other than doctor, it's the only. Oh yeah, right. Doctor, doctor, yeah. doctor, yeah. chef, chef, <laughs> chef, chef. And it's like, hey, oh, wow, you have the same name as I do. Chef, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> That's ironic, oh, you know? God. And it's, I look at it as a whole and I just think about like, we're all buying from the same people. We're all walking in the same circles. But what's been great is you've defined yourself in your own way. And it's been really yeah. fun. And you're having a good time. And it's, always beautiful and always delicious and i think you've set a precedent for young ladies for young chefs to really think about okay this is the product this is going to be treated beautifully and do it well and it comes from you know your background what you've set yourself to do i mean you obviously have you worked yourself into the ground like a lot of us have yeah i mean i don't even i'm trying to every time i see someone i'm like yeah I'm, there's there's I see a light at the end of the tunnel and six months we're gonna be good and then six months comes I think I said that right when we opened the restaurant yeah in six months I'm gonna take a day off and we're gonna do this and then like six months came I'm like in a year I'm gonna be good and I'm gonna like take a day off <laughs> and like hire a sous chef and then you know it just keeps getting pushed back and 
I mean, a lot of that comes from love, but a lot of it also just comes from wanting to be able to support the people that are around me and make sure that they understand, like, I do this for them too. And, you know, I want them to understand and learn. And it's just, it's hard. It's hard. It is. Lie. It's funny. I, you, you say the same thing I do. And my wife reminds me that I say that all the oh, time. Ron all the time is like, um, I'm over here too. Uh, <laughs> I'm here. And I'm like, I'm busy. <laughs> Hi, honey. I see yeah. you over there. I'm yeah. waving. Yeah, I like get up out of bed. I'm like, all right, see you later. And like, run here. It, even though we work together, it's like, still, we don't. It's hard. I always say, like, right now the restaurant kind of takes 85, 90% of my time. And the other 10%, I would say seven is Ron and Ralph, our dog, and three is me. And it's just like, that needs to change. And that's what I'm definitely striving to work towards because I can't work like this for the rest of my life. I'm getting older, you know, I'm not 20. And uh, it I takes I, its toll. Yeah. But I mean, I'm the only reason why I am doing it. Obviously, I own a business and want people, you know, want it to be successful, but I don't want the cooks to have to work. 15 hour days like I used to you know they come in at two one o'clock there this week they're coming earlier because we we're doing a, we're going to James Beard house and I'm bringing them with me but uh are you going to close the restaurant no I they are leaving Saturday night after service as so they can have Sunday in New York we cook on Monday and then fly back Tuesday morning oh my goodness I know and I'm a dummy and I accidentally booked their tickets at 11 30 so they need to leave the restaurant with all the product by 9 30 so I'm a Left. I think in the second turn, it's going to be me and a friend. And I hope that we can push out that food on Saturday night. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but I, I thought it was important for them to experience cooking there. Uh, but it's, uh, it, I, I think that we as chefs, as owners, work hard. So then, you know, we create an environment that our staff is, you know, different than what we had. It's true. I think it's, um, how many women do you have in your kitchen? Other They're than all yourself? women. They're all women. Three of us. Well, there's three. Uh, three and me. That's awesome. And well, my dishwasher, he is, he's the only gentleman and he's amazing. We call it, we consider him an honorary uh, female, but uh, it's me, two lady cooks on the savory side and a lady cook in the back for pastries. And it's been like that for over a year. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's rad. And I don't know. It just happened. It's not like I am only hiring women. Women definitely, I think, apply more with me. When I either talk to other women chefs, same. I, you, I, I don't know if it's a, safety thing i've heard that before which is a little weird but i just feel like women are drawn to work with other women i didn't even think about it with suzette in all honesty i didn't even i mean i obviously knew it was a woman chef but it wasn't even a thought in my mind um so i'm hoping that's you know when people apply here it's not just because i'm a woman but uh i think in today's day and time uh, it has a lot to do with it but we would definitely take some male energy up in here (laughs) (laughs) if you're looking for a job i think that was your cue right Uh, now Definitely hiring, always looking. No. <laughs> I think we're all saying the same thing I know, thing there. I know. I, I, uh, it's, it's crazy when you go to the market, like when we go to our social hour, the first thing that everyone says, it's complaint. Do you got any extra yeah. cooks? Do you know anyone? Do you know anyone? I'm looking for uh, someone. Uh, looking yeah. for someone. If anyone knows anyone, we're like, oh, me too. So uh, same goes. Well, I think, I think that's something that, you know, you and I talk a lot about that. And I think one of the things is finding and helping each other find the right fit people. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I think there is a dire need, right, across the industry all around. But I think it's it's learning to help each other. And I think there needs to be more of that right now. Yeah. And we need to be responsible in telling each other. I was talking with David Mayfield about this the other day. If someone's going to be a good fit with you, yes. But if someone's not going to be a good fit, find somewhere else for them. If someone came to you only being in a restaurant for six months, you should call them out on it. You should make sure that their chef knows that they're looking because we need to hold the kids responsible so they start 
giving the year that they should give or giving the time or the respect. You know, we get a lot of text messages now sometimes like, oh, yeah, not taking that job anymore. And you were like, well, I held that job for you for a month. Like, what happened? And it's this we as I think chefs, owners and community people need to change the conversation and start. Yeah, we need to do something to change how people are thinking because we're going to be fucked in part of my language in like the next few years if we don't start teaching these you know younger cooks to start acting better. Well, I think it's an accountability thing. Yeah. We have accountability in what they're producing every day. Yeah. <clears throat> we won't take poor quality. Um, it's about making food correctly. It's about following procedures, following recipes, learning the taste. We teach them technique. Now, we as we as younger cooks were taught it was a respect level that we had that we had to look at things we had to be punctual if somebody said you were there ready to work at two most of the time i would show up at one get dressed kind of peruse look around see what was going on find everything prior to actually physically having to do any work because i needed to figure out where the pans were where the where the cutting boards were where they stored dry storage where was this I think that we were very similar. When I used to drive to Manresa, I would literally think <clears> about what step I could, I'm like, should I grab the cutting board first or the ladles? Like, which way would make me set up faster? Like, I would literally like, you have to. break it down in my head. Like, okay, you're grabbing this, 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 and this. Okay, but if you went over here first and did two things, it would make your day faster to be able to be set up over here. It, it sounds insane. It does, <laughs> but I think it created, it, 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 I mean, I don't know about you, I'm ADD beyond. Oh, come on. And it's, yeah. and I think, the more we look at our industry and the more we look at our people in our industry, we find that, and I, and I think Anthony said it, Anthony Bourdain said it well, we kitchen was the last bastion for misfits, right? We, we, we thrived in environments of duress, right? That was, it's an anxiety driven industry. Um, they say the, the other, the only other thing that's as close as to the anxiety and the stress level is the emergency room. Yeah, I mean, 100%. It's funny, though, because, you know, we were brought up as, like, the pirates, the misfits, the cussing, the drugs, the drinking, and now it's almost changed where that's – we're held on a different social level where that's not okay, and it's weird because that's how we were – all we were ever taught. So you have to really almost change your way of thinking to not, you know, have a little bit of craziness in you still, but, you know, a little bit more rapport, a little bit more political, like, thought – community and just kind of change how you are almost like raised 20 years in a kitchen changes you and oh but i'm just going to be really we're not normal i mean i definitely don't feel normal <laughs> i think i think there's definitely you know we're taught from the moment we work in a kitchen that verbiage is short mm-hmm. right it's no it's not like hey kim could you please pass me it's like duck now this but it's seconds okay how long till plate two three one now 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 like it wasn't about being mean it was about timing yeah and and i always have compared that to when you see a surgeon and it's an emergency the surgeon doesn't look at the nurse and say excuse me nurse (laughs) cratchit may i please have the c-clamp to stop this gentleman from bleeding out on the table yeah it was like c-clamp and the hand would go out and it's about it's about speed and it was never meant to be disrespectful or unkind. It was about efficiencies, efficiencies of language to get the job done at a, at a pace for perfection. Right. And I think that a lot of that now is 
changed. I mean, it has to be because it's, it's misperceived or it's, and you know, I'm just as fault, you know, I would stand in the pass and <laughs> yeah, I laugh yeah, now. You, I'm like, I, I would sit there and, and I, I would just go like this. I was like, I would say the same word over until it appeared in the past. So mm-hmm. if it was like, let's just use duck, it'd be like duck, 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 duck. And it would just go and go and get louder and louder and louder until it appeared, you know, and it. But you got to get shit done. You have to get things done, but it wasn't the best way. It was yeah. like, and I think we have had to learn. Yeah, you have to relearn, re like, I don't know if people are more sensitive, but it, you know, society's changed. You can't just sit yeah. there and yell and throw things and yeah, but that's you not, have it's a never, conversation. Yeah, and, and, and look, we all said when we were younger, we would never replicate what we went through. We were never as rough as they were with us. We were just a dialed down version. Yeah. Like, I've got a burn mark on my hiney from a grill fork, you know, like, and they burned me through my pants. Oh, no. I <laughs> and, have a couple of those. Stuff. <laughs> and it's, and not that that's right. I would never, I would never lay hand on an employee. I would never, ever, you know, speak disparagingly. Uh, you know, it's like I've pushed and I push and we do the three strike out method. You know, we do, it's a, it's a very simple thing. But I think, I think people gravitate towards women chefs because there is an instant mothering thought process that's going to be there yeah. because you're a woman. Yeah. Which and is ironic because I have zero desire to have children. I never have. I have a dog. But but we, you see, but when you that, see that mental, yeah, there's totally. a mental connectivity yeah. where it was like dad's going to discipline. Yeah. Which I think that I am very motherly here. It's, it's, we have a lot of conversations and I don't want to say that just because my whole staff is women, but like we, we have two meetings a day where we talk about everything, but like when there's issues, we sit down, we get it out. We have like long conversations throughout the day to make sure everyone's on the same point. And it's sometimes exhausting, but you know, it's good. And we all work well as a team together because of it, I think. Well, you've created a, a really special environment. And I mean, it comes through in the food, it comes through in the space. Thank you. And I think that's, you know, like I said, you've set a precedent. You're beating to your own drum. And, and I think that that's a lot of people can learn from that. I really appreciate you saying that. I always say that, you know, when you don't get all the accolades or all the awards, um, sometimes you don't get all the cooks. Sometimes the team's sad. But in the end, having the support of, like, amazing people in the industry, I'd always rather be that person where people are like, why didn't they get that award? Than the person like, why did she get that award? You know what I mean? Like, That's, so having the yeah. support and the love of people, like having chefs come in and eat and being stoked is so important and makes me feel very special and makes my team excited. And it, you know, going to the market and getting hugs from people and just knowing that you have that strong community and, and um, respect is what drives me for sure. I think, I think. it's, I mean, you, your, your awards are the smiles. Yeah. The awards are return guests. Exactly. My business is running and it's successful. And, and I think that to me, you know, that's a hard, and look, let's be honest. Everybody gets hurt when, yeah. you know, like, Henceforth, why they created the participation trophy in the world. <laughs> I never want that award. <laughs> but I think you, 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 you've done so many fun things and you're continuing to push every day. I mean, you're going to go cook at the Beard House and then, excited. you know, it's a, it's a beautiful experience. Yeah. And I'm just excited. I get to share that with my team and, you know, they've been looking forward to it and they get to like see it through Cook's eyes and, and I'm excited to watch them. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm so rad. excited for you. Yeah super excited and then so you do the beer dinner you come home 
yeah, I think I fly back on a Thursday. Then I literally pack up my car to drive down to L.A. Uh, to cook two dinners with Melissa Perillo, uh for a Michelin event. And then I drive back up on Sunday and then I prep for a few days and I fly to Taiwan for 10 days to do three pop ups. And then I'm back and then it's just, you know, go, go, go. I've never been away from the restaurant that much. I'm wow. literally here like every day. So to be gone for almost well, we're closed for a week in that period. But three weeks is insane. I'm scared but i know that my team is strong and they're going to be great but it's just crazy to not be here when you're here every day you know but that's part of traveling and i think it's part of a friend came in the other night and i use this uh story a lot and he was like kim uh, trying to change my thought process of you know where this industry is going but he's like you know if you make the perfect sauce every night but the world doesn't know about it like how are you gonna get people to come in here and it it bothers me because it's like, I want to teach that cook to make that perfect sauce, but he, he's kind of right. Like you need to start getting out there and promoting yourself because that is a big part of our business now. And that is kind of what I am doing in the next few weeks and hoping that me teaching them to make that perfect sauce a few weeks ago sticks with them when I'm not here. <laughs> it does. But, <clears throat> and yeah. I think, you know, you showing them and they're going to make a mistake, but then they're going to learn from that mistake mm -hmm. and then come back and they're going to get bummed out and they're gonna come back 10 times stronger to make that sauce the yeah, next time. Exactly. Because if you continue to do it every time, they're gonna rely on you to be, yeah. the, you're gonna be their crutch. The mom. The yeah, mom, I know. right? I know. And it's hard. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we we all talk about that. Yeah. And that's a hard thing. Like, you know, I go to the restaurant and I'm like, dad's here. <laughs> and everybody goes, okay, chef, this is broken. Can we get that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, the toilet's not working. You're like, oh, rad. Okay, awesome. I'll go fix the that highlight right of my day no, is the toilet. Are, there are roots growing into our toilet. Oh, isn't that fun? Yeah, isn't that crazy? I didn't know that. The drought, roots grow to water, and every month we have to take the toilet off and saw the roots off. No way. How crazy is that? See, ownership. It's, and they see, everybody says, I can't wait to be the chef. No, <laughs> stay a cook forever. It's like, that's, I was talking about that with Tracy Desjardins, and we were saying, like, those moments of cooking where it was literally like, it's mise en place, it's focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your brain isn't jello, you're not scattered. Yeah. I think you're just in that moment. You're in the moment and living that moment and, and, and relishing in it because when you keep saying, I like, and I was just, I was very, I'm gonna be there, I wanna be that. And then I'm like, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I think I took a, I, I waited almost 10 years before I took a management position. Same I wanted, here. I wanted to really, un I wanted to be, again, before Google dates myself, but like I wanted a cook to be able to come up to me as a sous chef and ask me a, why, why is it like that? And me to be able to answer it. So I just kept trying to learn and work at, at as many restaurants as I could so I could gather that knowledge in my brain so I could just turn them and be like, this is why you do that. This is why you cut that way. This is why you cook it that way. And uh, I, again, hope that some younger cooks can take that thought process too because cooking's the fun part. Cooking's like the time where you get to be with your friends and you get to cook and you are serious and you get to just like do what you love. The second you start getting up more and more, you know, the cooking starts kind of fading a little bit, a little bit. And uh, you don't get to do the dance as much. Yes. And, and it's, it changes and it's still amazing and great. And we all still cook. Yeah. But it's just not the same. So like embrace it and like learn and, and work with your teammates and learn. Like I said, learn from the dishwasher, learn from the comey, learn from the chef and, and really gather what you can. So you are amazing. So what's next for you? What's next for Kim Alter? Sleep. After sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
after sleep, I mean, you know, in all honesty, we're in the process of expanding um, a little bit. Um, we're taking over the space next door. I, I don't know. I definitely think that, you know, to make money and survive in this environment, like San Francisco, we have roots here. We have a house here. Uh, Ron was born here. Um, we have a business here. You know, you need to open more businesses, kind of. You need to own property. But the city makes it a little difficult, so I, I battle with myself all the time, and I'm probably going to get crucified for saying that. But, like, it, it's really hard to want to keep giving, giving when it's just so difficult for a small business owner in this city. And, you know, I think we were talking with you about how amazing Portland was when you opened and how the city made it so awesome and the community was so rad. And uh, community's rad in San Francisco. I love yeah. I love Hayes 100%. Valley. I love the chefs. I love all the people who support. But it just – I love my landlord. He's amazing. Um, he – totally like turned uh, rent into investment when it took me two years to open because of permitting issues and construction problems. And that I think about that and it like gives me, I think PTSD from like thinking about opening this restaurant. So I don't know if I want to open another one. And if I did, maybe it would be in LA or maybe it would be somewhere else. I don't know. We're talking about it. You know, we are talking to the bank, getting loans and just trying to find the right place for us. But it's just hard when uh, it's so hard. It is. And I mean, it's hard everywhere, but it's so hard here. Somebody said the other day to me, I was talking with someone, they said it's harder to open a restaurant in San Francisco than it is in Manhattan. That's insane. I mean, I know that it's, it, I was just talking with Jen from the Riddler and they're expanding and opening. And she's like, my rent's X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, that's crazy. But she's like, but it's been so easy and liquor license only costs this. And you know, this, and it's everything's, every step of the way is hard here. And it's just kind of, you know, you got to think about, is my sanity worth that? <laughs> or is, or should I maybe think about outside of San Francisco and um, learning about a new community? But we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So standard questions. Oh, no. Rapid fire. Red or white wine? White. Or bubbles. Oh, I <laughs> love it. I love that. bubbles, too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Beer or spirits? Gin. And whiskey. And whiskey. One yeah. of the <laughs> Well, I mean it depends, but like, okay, steakhouse, gin martini, bar, whiskey, and a beer. Fair. Okay. Nigiri or sashimi? Nigiri. Okay. Uni or caviar? Uni. Burger, taco. Ah, I'm not eating bread right now, but burger. <laughs> <laughs> Pepperoni slice or cheese? You know, pepperoni. Actually, I'm not even going to Never mind. Pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hot dog or sausage? Chicago dog. That's it. <laughs> We're, I'm actually cooking Chicago dogs that I shipped out here from Chicago today for a photographer friend who's going to come and take a picture of something. I'm like, I have Chicago dogs. And he's totally like within five hours. He's like, okay, I'll be there. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Chocolate or fruit? chocolate really yeah well i mean st okay that but, is i would never have expected that well from you. i mean the fruit right now is amazing and okay i'm not eating sugar or gluten right now which is brutal because of the cherries and the stone fruit and all yeah. the things but like sometimes you just eat yeah chocolate i did it even though i did a chocolate tasting for uh, the good food awards and i felt like i was gonna vomit after eating like 500 different types of chocolate but oh i thought i was gonna be this is gonna be fun and then like Five hours deep, I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I really, uh, 
I, all the different notes in chocolate is so interesting. So I, I kind of tend to go to there and it's easy. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Awesome. Yeah. Kim, thank you. Thank you. You're oh my best. God. It's so rad always talking to you and thank you for all the nice things you said and just always the support. It's amazing. I'm happy to. I mean, you, like I said, you do great things. You've always got a smile on your face. You keep trudging through this city mm. with a big smile. You got you and Ron are doing beautiful things here. Thank so. you. We appreciate that. So we congratulations. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.